0: Hey Church, Pastor Adam here. And I wanna say thank you so much for stopping by to join us for Church Online today. And and while we are super stoked that you're hanging out with us this morning, we do wanna remind you that really this is just, is supplemental. And man, it just cannot replace the local church in your life. And so look, we hope that you are encouraged and and challenged and shaped by today's message that's being preached. Uh, But but also, we don't wanna be uh, your substitute Uh, for the local church body that you should be involved in. We really do believe that the local church is God's plan A in reaching the world. So with that being said, please come hang out with us in person. Uh, One Sunday, if you're in Paducah in the area, come hang out with us to get some rest or find a local Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching church that you can get plugged in and connected to. Uh, Jesus loves the church and and we love Jesus. and, And we believe that we can better serve Uh, Jesus, if we love his church well. So, welcome to rest. So, that's the why.
1: Worship, I hope, is something that you either like or grow to like. Because if followers of Christ, spoiler alert, you're going to be worshiping for all eternity, and I can't wait. Um, So, getting into this. I don't have anything funny to tell you. I don't. I'm sorry. Um, We're just going to get right into the message. Uh, So, I even broke down like my recap because Summer loves my recaps. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, But so, we have these these letters that Paul writes uh, to his son in the faith, Timothy. We've got two books. And in the first book, uh, Paul gives Timothy this instruction on, on how to shepherd his flock, like how to be a pastor to his church, right? And then as we go into the second book, Paul is in prison. Like, he knows that his time is short. And then so what he does is he focuses on Timothy and his personal ministry, his pastor. Uh, for the past couple of Sundays, we've been in chapter 3. Today, we're going to close up this chapter but it opened up with, with Paul warning uh, Timothy of ungodly men, ungodly examples. And he warned them to flee from them, to spit. And then last week, we looked at following those godly examples. And then this week, actually, every time you guys give me the opportunity to preach when the Lord does, like I really get some good stuff. Um, but today, we're going to be uh, looking at a message that's titled, The Bible tells me so. I thought about singing like the nursery rhyme, but I'm not going to because you all know it. But the Bible tells me so. So um, the reason for this portion of Scripture is Paul wants Timothy to stay sharp and to remain prepared for the evil that is going to come his way and to remain prepared for the work that is going to be given to him. So closing out this chapter, chapter three, uh, there are four points. Continue in the word, continue in Christ-centered scriptures, continue in God-breathed scriptures, and continue in totally sufficient scriptures. So let's read them all together. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, The main idea from today's passage is this every Christian is called to keep on learning and living in God's word. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to present your word today. Lord, if I step back and I look at this, God, I'm not worthy. I just thank you. Thank you for what you've shown me for myself uh, through this study. God, I pray that the things that you have shown me, you will show to others. Father, may the words coming out of my mouth be yours. Because the purpose of today is to bring you glory and to build up your kingdom and to grow up your people. So, Father, I, I give you this time. I give you myself. Do with it as you will. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I wasn't going to try to do this today. I was going to try to go without a bottle of water because it's a distraction, but just in case, I left it right over there. I'm going to go get it. I'll be right back. <laughs> oh man. There's a lot of stuff I was going to try not to do. I did not have too much coffee. Sorry. Okay. So, first point, continue in the word. So, Paul opens up this portion of his letter to Timothy to keep on learning, keep on living in God's word. Now, what you have to realize here is, like, Paul is not writing to a novice. He is not writing to a baby Christian. He is writing to a mature follower of Christ, and he is expressing the need and the value of continuous learning, You know, I I really wish I knew what kind of um, caliber, like what maturity level Timothy had. It would probably um, scare me in my own walk, to be honest. But, let's look at this. uh, 2 Timothy 3.14 But as for you, continue what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. So, Timothy, like from a little kid, was taught by his mom and his grandma, and there was a gut check here because there's no mention of his father. None. Now, this is not my notes here, but um, through studying the Old Testament, like there's, we, we all have Bible heroes that are our favorite. Can I get an amen? Okay, one of mine is the Old Testament prophet Samuel because that dude, he walked a straight line and it didn't matter what you did, what came at him, he was walking that line. He was the one that appointed King Saul. He was the one that appointed King David. But this dude had sons. And this dude's sons were heathens. And the part that scares me is is this. And, and I'm just I could be totally wrong but looking at the scriptures I'm almost convinced that he had given himself 100% to his ministry and left his kids. There is no mention of Timothy's father here. No he one talks about his mom and his grandma. Man we've got to step up. I need to step up. So sorry. So Timothy's taught by his mom and his grandma and if it's if, if my life was anything like his, which I think that it was, like most of that spiritual stuff came from my mom, those stories that I learned remained Bible stories until I was in my late 20s. Maybe even 30. I don't think so. No, late 20s. So this these Bible stories that I knew was logos. It was logos. It was information. It was information only. But the cool part is, is as you walk with Christ, Jesus himself takes that information that you've got stored up here, that logos, and he turns it into rhema, which is revelation. So he takes information, makes a revelation, and will change your life because it did mine. So Paul tells Timothy, continue what you have firmly believed. And it's in Paul's last days. He's telling Timothy also and telling us to hold firmly to the scriptures and to pass them on faithfully. Lord, give us teachable moments with others, whether that be our spouse, our kids, our family, our friends, so that we could pass along those scriptures faithfully so that they may pass it on to someone else as well. Lord, give us teachable moments. So continue what you learned, Timothy. Timothy. Now it brings us to point two. He moves to the nature of the scriptures that we are to study and by which we are to live. Verse 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. The sacred writings. Now, what you've got to know at, at this point in time, like there is no New Testament, So the sacred writings is referring to one thing. Somebody tell me what that is: the OT, the Old Testament. And I know um, in some circles out there, oh well, man, the OT, man, that's the dispensation of law, man, Jesus did away with that stuff. It don't matter anymore. They couldn't be further from the truth. Paul said that things that were written beforehand were written for our learning. Um, and there's a statement I want to get ahead of myself, um, but the Old Testament is relevant. Okay, if you've ever spent any time with me at all, like I have like favorite verses, and there's this mic drop verse of Jesus talking to his persecutors. I mean, I absolutely love it. and if you've ever struggled with like the the um, validity. I don't use big words like that. You're welcome. But if you've ever struggled with the validity of the Old Testament, like this verse takes care of that, and it's this. It's actually a series of verses. So <laughs> this is John 5, 39. It's 39, 46, and 47. Like I'm not the kind of guy that likes people when people skip verses, but for sake of time, I'm, I'm not trying to give you guys a shorter message today. Like I'm I'm going to hit the whole crux, but I promise you like I am not straying from context, okay? So John 5:39, you search the scriptures. Now again, when Jesus was alive, was the New Testament written? No. So you search the scriptures, you search the Old Testament because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they, the Old Testament, that bear witness About me. And I'm going to go and say it the way that uh, that I learned it, and then we'll get into the last two verses. Jesus says to them, he's like, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are them to testify of me. Mic drop. Mic drop. I absolutely love it. My lack of liquid in my mouth is making me spit. That's the third time I'm sorry. (laughs) This isn't working. Okay. Verse 46. For if you believed Moses. Moses is the author of the first five books of the Old Testament, the law. Okay, so for if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you did not believe his writings, how will you believe my works? Fellas, ladies, the Old Testament is relevant. So I go back to the verse 15. You don't have to go there. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith. The Old Testament will also lead you to salvation. So, so Jesus says to the men, you search the scriptures, for they are them to testify of me. In today's terms, it's like, well, you think you have salvation Just because you were given those scriptures, buh? Nah, bruh. They was talking about me. And I almost felt like that was blasphemy, but I put it in my notes anyway. (laughs) That was not verbatim from the scriptures, and there's no translation that has it written that way. I hope. I don't know. Nah, bruh. They was writing about me. Yahweh. I'm a dork, Summer. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) So, These Christ centered scriptures, the Old Testament, are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus. The Bible is a book that leads to salvation. Throw this next slide up there. This this quote is like phenomenal. I, I borrowed it. Okay. Like, hear this The Bible narrates the ongoing flow of redemptive history that moves ultimately to the person and the work of Jesus we don't have two unrelated stories you have the triune God that starts the Bible in Genesis 1 and the Jesus that we serve was there in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God That word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was there in the beginning. And his story begins and goes all the way throughout the book of Revelation and will continue on after that. Jesus is there, guys. So watch this. So the value of the Old Testament can be broken down like this. The Old Testament is a part of the Christian canon. It shows the history of redemption leading to Christ. It proclaims truths not found in the, New, in the New Testament. It helps us understand the New Testament. It prevents misunderstandings of the New Testament, and it provides a full understanding of Christ. Guys, the Old Testament is hard. Ask my kids trying to go through the book of Leviticus. I remember years and years ago, Bella was like, Dad, I'm trying to read the whole Bible, but Leviticus. I was like, how old are you, 12, 13? Like kiddo, I think God appreciates what you're doing. And He's not gonna have a little checkbox that says read the whole Bible. Like he, He's not gonna leave that blank if you like skip through some stuff in Leviticus. Because it's tough. There's nuggets in there too, but it's tough. So the Old Testament, yes, it is hard to understand. Yes, it will take a lifetime of study. Yes, it is worth your time, and yes, it will bring depth to your knowledge of Christ and deepen your faith. Guys, when I started walking with Jesus for the first time, I took everything that I knew and I completely cleared the table. I said, if I'm going to follow you, God, you have got to show me that you're real. He started the roots of my faith in the Old Testament to prove to me that God is alive. After he proved to me that God the Father is alive, then he moved into the New Testament and he proved to me the Son. The Old Testament anticipates Christ. The New Testament explains him. He is promised in the beginning, Genesis 3.15 he is there in the middle, and he is held up at the end as the object of worship for all eternity. Jesus is the hero and always will be the hero. And better be the hero for many words are coming from this pulpit. So, with that in mind, I have to question, how's your faith? How is your faith? Like, How are the roots of your faith, I think is a better way to ask it. If your faith is shallow as mine once was, and you lose something important to you, what's the natural response? What is the natural human response? God, how could you let this happen? God, how could you? I'm done with you. I mean, is that fair? do negative cir- circumstances make the truth any less true. The truth is truth. and will always be the truth, regardless how we feel. So, when the author of the Bible proves himself to you through the scriptures and gives you a deep understanding of them, if or when your world falls apart, you will still believe regardless of your emotions. When you don't know what you are going to do, when you don't know how you can press on, knowing that the God of the Bible is real, I mean, knowing that you know you can press on, But it takes you getting into the word for yourself and seeking heart of the God who wrote it. Which brings us to point three. This is is probably my favorite one. There's a statement in here that is made that is just absolutely uh, eye-opening, mind-blowing. At least it was for me, and I hope it is for you too. And I'll let you know when it's coming. Um, So let's read this verse. This is 2 Timothy 3, 16a, the first portion. All scripture is breathed out by God. Can I get an amen? Okay. Watch how awesome this statement is. This is not mine. I borrowed it. Um, <laughs> when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a nickname. Hey, the borrower. <laughs> the thief. No, the borrower. Because borrowing is not a sin. I'll gladly give it back. <laughs> okay. The Holy Spirit worked through biblical writers, sure, to write God's word entirely and exactly as He intended. And then hear this just as God spoke the cosmos into existence, so He breathed out His word in Scripture. So everything that we can see in the cosmos, God spoke into existence, right? Does somebody have a Bible here? Hold it up. Okay. <laughs> the creator who spoke the cosmos into existence spoke the book that you have into your hand in existence as well. That changed, that changed my view of it. Again, uh, absolutely awesome. All of it is from the Spirit of God and all of it is good. The scriptures God breathed. This means all scriptures is God breathed. This means that we cannot simply pick and choose what parts of the Bible we like. We've all done it. I've done it. <laughs> Thank God for the full counsel. Thank God that we have the whole thing, the old and the new. Um, we cannot choose which commands we want to obey. And we cannot choose what doctrines we will follow because regardless, again, the truth remains the truth, regardless what we do with it. So, the Old Testament, both the Old and the New, the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, is the whole picture. It's the complete message. The Old Testament points to the coming of Christ the Gospels records his time here on the Earth, and the remainder of the New Testament gives us further revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. Those two Testaments together give us the complete picture. Um, I need to show of hands for this next question. Who in here is a book reader? Who in here keep your hands up. Who in here is a movie watcher? Man, some of y'all need some like, outlets for entertainment. Okay, how many of you do this? You read the first half of a book and then stop. Show of hands. <laughs> I'm just not supposed to have any. <laughs> Did you enjoy that book? Which one? Exactly, the one you read half of. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I saw her shake her head. I'm like, I mean, Francis. Like all the cameras went to you. We'll just wait for your reply. And it was nothing. There, there's there's no cameras out here. Sorry. So okay, for those of you that read the first half of the book, this next question is not for you. <clears throat> the next question is this: Who of you starts in the middle and reads to the end? Show of hands. I didn't get any on that one. <laughs> all right, man. Okay. What? Don't you want the whole story? Don't you need the whole story? Okay. So what I'm going to do is, is as I was putting this, this portion of, of point three together, uh, I thought about where the old and the new collide in the scriptures. And, and that it's actually one of my favorite scriptures. I actually referenced it in a conversation with somebody recently. It was a guy at work, you don't know. Um, but it's this. So the recipients of this conversation were reading half a book. Now, in their defense, like the New Testament was being written. but remember, the things that were written beforehand pointed to the savior that was coming. This was not new information. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are them to testify of me. And it's this: <laughs> This is a sermon within a sermon. Um, have any of you guys seen Inception? Any here? It's a good movie. So they go into a dream, and they have a dream inside of a dream, and, and that's kind of the way I felt about this one here. Um, I watched all of Inception from the the first portion and the second. Just, just so you know, I didn't skip to the end. That's a joke. Thank you. Okay, this is Second Corinthians three, and, and just to give you a little background on this, like throughout much of the New Testament. You have to realize that when Jesus came, he changed everything. Now, this change was not something that was not known about. Like, everyone knew change was going to come that studied the scriptures. They knew change was coming. But when that change came, they hated it. And so here in Corinthians, uh, we have Paul, like, really laying it out, bringing them the old and the new together to give you the whole picture. So, 2 Corinthians 3. Paul speaking, are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you shall know that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. And then here comes the old and the new, mixing. Not on tablets of stone, Tablets of stone, like, what are you seeing in your mind right now? Huh? Not the Flintstones. Somebody tell me, I'm giving you a hint. Ten Commandments, okay. Not written on tablets of stone, which are cold, which are hard, but on tablets of human hearts, which is warm and which is soft. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything that's coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, Old Testament law, Ten Commandments, but of the Spirit, New Testament, grace. For the letter kills, the Old Testament, Ten Commandments, kills, but the Spirit gives life. The old meeting the new. Paul is telling Timothy, bro, you've got to know the scriptures. He's telling you as leaders within your house, here comes a spit, you've got to know the scriptures. You've got to know them for yourself. We can help you, but you've got to know. Let's continue. So what you must know, the letter is the law. The law is from the Old Testament. It's the Ten Commandments. The Spirit is. Was not given unto believers until Acts 2 when the church was born. But when the Spirit was given, life was given. Verse 7. Now, the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, is there any refuting what he's referring to? None. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze on Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, let me pause here for a second. Okay, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, like this dude was glowing, right? He took a veil and he covered his face. Why? Not because he was glowing, he looked like a freak. He did not want to see the glory of the Lord fade. And it was it faded because the law was temporary. The law has a purpose. No, no, hear me. The law is good. The law is holy. But it has a purpose. That purpose is to break you. It is to kill you. It is to show you that you have a need for a savior. Well, thank God the ministry of the Spirit comes. For what is being brought to an end came with glory. Hold up. Okay, sorry, seven. Now, if the ministry of death, card letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. Will not the ministry of the Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit given to all believers, beginning with the church in Acts 2, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For indeed, if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the law, the ministry of righteousness, the Spirit, grace, must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all, but because of the glory that surpasses it. For if, what was, for if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. So the Old Testament, the New Testament, these writings that we are to know, if we have the Old Testament only, we were, we're reading the first half of a book. And we know that that glory is fading. We know that that glory is flawed. But over here in the New Testament, we know that this old stuff had a purpose, and it pointed to the new. And then new is what, is, is what we needed, and it's all that we needed. Since we, ha- since we have such a hope, we are very bold not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, the old covenant is the law, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. They're reading the first half of the book or watching the first half of the movie only, and they're not seeing the rest. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Happy July 4th, man, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, behold, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we've got the whole story. We've got a sermon within a sermon. So turning to Jesus equals eyes open, equals freedom, equals real life. Something new was coming, the new covenant. This was not a surprise, Jeremiah 31. If you only know the Old Testament, you will not be able to experience the life Jesus made available to you. Forever Moses is read, whenever you're preaching just the law, this life, you can't see it because there's a veil over your face. And if you only know the New Testament, you will not understand the significance, you will not understand the value nor the price of the life that you now have. So are you starting to see it like the the validity of the old and the new? So if you only read the first half of the book or watch the the first half of the movie, you're either lost or you have no clue on what's going on or why. If you read only the second half of the book or watch the second half of the movie, you're either lost or you have no clue what's going on or why. We need to to know the whole thing. So, the things that were written beforehand are pertinent and they're relevant as we follow Christ. Which brings us to the final point. Continue in the, to, in the totally sufficient scriptures. And this one punched me in the stomach today. 16b and 17. And profitable for teaching, for reproof. Talking about the scriptures, for correction. And for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete. Equipped for every good work. Hear this. Many people today who say they believe in the inspiration of Scripture deny their belief by their practice. I'm going to say it again. Many people today who say they believe in the inspiration of the Scripture deny their belief by their practice. Yeah, man. Yeah. Heck yeah, I believe in that. And they go out and look just like the world. I'm guilty of this. Like this was a gut check for me. This was eye opening for me. Because I for sure don't want this to be me. The Bible calls out to us to be obedient. And we shout out amen. But then we live lives opposite to the scriptures. Um. I could go to Romans and tell you that there's grace that covers that, and there is, but that grace is not a license. How can we who have died to sin still continue to live in it? Don't just believe the Bible. Use it. Not to beat people over the head with. (laughs) Well, not all people. You ever saw beat somebody up against the head with a Bible? <laughs> I don't know why I think it's so funny, but it is. Like, bro, can't you see? Look. That's not how a head sounds when you hit it. Okay. The Bible shapes our beliefs as well as, as, well as our lifestyle. <laughs> It's not just something that you hold and that help, oh, bro, watch me change. Like, you spend time in that thing and it will change your lifestyle. The Bible relates to both doctrine and conduct and it is totally sufficient to shape us into the image of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible re- relates to both doctrine and and conduct, what you believe and how you act. And it is totally sufficient to shape us into the image of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible gives us doctrinal truth. It rebukes us for ungodly behavior or false beliefs. It corrects us when we stray from Christ-likeness. And it trains us in righteous living. It transforms us so we are transformed from who we were to be more Christ-like. 1 John 3, 9 um, is a perfect example of this. Like, I, I love this portion here. It says this, No one who is born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. This is not saying that you won't have a single sin or a season of sin, because You will this side of heaven. But if God lives in you and you are abiding in his word, it will be impossible for you to keep on sinning because God lives inside of you. Let the word transform you. Timothy, Timothy, remember the sacred writings. Let it transform you. Let it make the roots of your faith grow deep so that when, you, when your world falls apart, you still believe the truth is truth. As you fall in love with God, as you fall in love with the God who loves you and you spend time in his word, he will transform you himself. It's not your responsibility. For so long I thought that you had to clean up before you came to Christ, and then after you met Christ, you had to work your tail off in order to be more like Him, to be acceptable. And I couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, Philippians 2:13 says this, and I may say this wrong because this is just the way that I, I've memorized it, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's basically saying this, spit. You focus on me, and I work on you. And not only will I work on you, I'm gonna give you the want to. The things that you didn't want to do, I'm I'm, I'm gonna put something in you that makes you want to do those things. Oh, and by the way, and so now that you want to do those things, it's not even your responsibility to do them. Because what I'm going to do, because I live inside of you, I'm going to do those things through you as you rest. The scripture is the chief means which God employs to bring the man or the woman of God to maturity. Guys, we've been, picked, we've been given possession of the ball. We've been given the torch to carry and then to pass on. So we must continue in the word, continue in the Christ-centered scriptures, continue in the God-breathed scriptures, and continue in the totally sufficient scriptures. So the question is, like, you all have the ball or the torch, like, like whether you realize that or not. So my question to you is this, what are you going to do with it? Lord, give us teachable moments so that we might pass our knowledge of the Scriptures along to others so that they might pass those along to others as well. Okay. So as we close, guys, this is a time for response. This is a time for salvation. This is a time for communion. And this is a time for prayer in the prayer wall. Those of you who know Jesus, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. Are you tired of living life with Christ, but without him? Do you hear me? Are you tired of living life with Christ, but without him? Not because of something that he did, but because of you. Me. Listen to this. I'm going to read this verse from John real quick again. So no one who is born of God practices, makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he, not keep, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Now listen to this statement. Sin and the child of God are incompatible. They occasionally meet, but they cannot live together in harmony. Sin and the child of God are incompatible. They occasionally meet. They cannot live together in harmony. Christ follower, if there is sin in your life, it needs to be dealt with. You either need to talk to someone here or somebody, but make sure that you're talking to the Father and confessing that sin. Make sure that you're spending time in the sacred writings so that it can transform your life and change your want to. 1 John 3 also tells us this. say so that if there is a child of God, there will be evidence. Check your fruit. There will be evidence of his goodness and of his love. While we may be deceived for a while by sin, we will not be able to continue in it like, it will be physically impossible to continue in it if God's seed truly abides in us. So I'm asking you, does he? Does his seed truly abide in you? Men, aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of fighting it? And aren't you tired of resisting Christ follower, it is time to start living a life of obedience. For those of you that do not yet know him, uh, for those of you watching online, don't you think it's time to stop messing around and playing church? I mean, why are you flirting with Jesus? Man, just go ahead and take that step. Like, so I have to have... I'm going to ask a question, and and I felt weird putting this in my notes, but I put it there so I, I would ask it. For those of you that do not know Jesus and you know that you don't, why are you here? Why are you here? Like, we're here for you to bring you to Christ. Like, if you don't know him, do not leave today without him. You do not need to clean yourself up. Leave that to him. You don't need to change your ways. Leave that to him. Man, he loves you. That God who breathed out everything that you can see into existence by his spoken word also breathed out the scriptures so that you might have it, so that we might teach it to you. Like, if you're here and you don't know him, today's your day. Man, today's your day. Aren't you tired? Tired of the not knowing where you're going to end up? Aren't you tired of fighting it? And aren't you tired of resisting? Man, there is Sabbath rest waiting for you today.